Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Monday edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to tune into the broadcast. And what a great broadcast it's going to be today. I've wanted to have this guy on for quite a while. It is my fellow Canadian. He's been out there pressing for truth, pun intended. It is Dan Dix from Press for Truth Media Group. He's been on the Alex Jones Show lots. He's been featured all over the internet. He's extensively covered Bilderberg. He's confronted Bilderberg members for years. He's got a huge following. He did the 9-11 documentary film about the September 11th attack. Such an impressive bio of accolades. Too many to list. It is my pleasure to welcome him to the show for the first time. Hopefully it's one of many more. It is Dan Dix from Press for Truth. Welcome to the program, Dan. It is a pleasure to have you on, sir. Oh, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, of course, you just got back from Turn Italy, Bilderberg 2018. You were there, boots on the ground, like you have been for a lot of Bilderberg meetings. Tell us about that experience, though, this year, Bilderberg 2018. Oh, sure. Yeah, I just got back uh, yesterday from Italy covering uh, Bilderberg. This is my, uh, well, I, I started covering Bilderberg in 2006. So it's been uh, um, 12 years now. So wow. it's been interesting. It's been interesting since uh, since the beginning. It's changed a lot. My understanding of it has changed. And you know, the, the amount of exposure that it's getting has changed. But it's it's been good. Italy was was an interesting one. I, I uh, was kind of having a hard time walking more than 10 feet at times without being detained by the police. This particular trip, I think I was detained maybe six times over the wow. course of about uh, 48 hours. <laughs> um, so they, they weren't exactly making it easy for me, but I still managed to uh, get some pretty decent conversations. I guess you could call them confrontations with some of the Bilderberg members and um, was, you know, I always go there to try to document any discrepancies in the participants list or just kind of give my breakdown of the agenda. And um, yeah, it went pretty smoothly other than the police detainments. <laughs> other than the police detainments, it went real smooth. Well, tell us about some of those, uh, as you call, confrontation conversations. Well, you know, you never know what you're going to get. It's always different every year. Last year, I, I had maybe maybe 30 different interactions with Bilderberg members um, as I caught them at the airport, either arriving or uh, departing. This year, it was a little different. It was a lot more difficult to get close to them at all. On, on their arrival, they were entering in through the side of the airport through a private section that nobody would, had access to, so it was virtually impossible. But on their departures, on their way flying home, they entered into the airport through the normal way, uh, the normal uh, departure level. And so I kind of bunked out there for the whole day until uh, until I saw some of them coming in and out. And um, I, I just released a kind of a compilation video yesterday, I believe, put up a kind of example of uh, what that is on, on YouTube. And... Um, one of the cooler ones that I had, I, I would say, was with a lady named uh, Danica Karjic, I think her last name was. I can't recall. She's for, she's a Swedish um, tech guru, really. She, she's a professor at, uh, at a technology school, and she's known for building robots and things of that nature. Um, so had a pretty interesting conversation with her where she was actually willing to listen to me for a little while about 
about how propaganda works and how compartmentalization works. And I explained to her that, you know, I don't necessarily think that she's involved in anything or, you know, that she might realize she's doing anything nefarious, but how the inner clique, the inner, the circle within the inner circle of Bilderberg may be trying to influence her ideas and her opinions, because that's kind of how I see Bilderberg now is, uh, you know, it's there, there's really an inner circle within the inner circle. Not everyone who gets invited is necessarily into some sort of nefarious agenda or, or aware of the agenda for a one world government or anything like that. But, you know, I think I think they influence them with their ideas. And these people are very powerful, very influential. They end up spreading these ideas throughout their own organizations, and then these ideas permeate throughout society, and it all stems from Bilderberg. So that's kind of how I see it now, um, as opposed to some big overreaching conspiracy. Uh, I think uh, there really is an inner circle within the inner circle. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Well, regardless of the fact that more and more people are covering it, the problem is that there's never any details about the meetings. They're never released to the public. And like you said, there's a real who's who of the global elite that attend these things. And there's very little transparency. Like you said, getting detained from police just for trying to interview someone and get the truth out to the public. Whatever happened to the freedom of the press? But again, always shrouded in secrecy like it is. I mean, it does surprise me at how many technocrats were loaded on the agenda. The, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the Peter Thiels. And then is it weird that the Amazon founder buys the Washington Post? Gee, talk about the Bilderberg controlled media. But really shocked me this year was the participation of the Catholic Church. Yeah, that was very interesting. To the best of my my knowledge and research, uh, this is the 66th Bilderberg meeting, and yeah. I I do not recall them ever having anyone from the Vatican or yeah. representative of the Vatican being at their meeting. But sure enough, there there was a cardinal there, and we were certainly on the lookout for him. It would have been really really interesting to get a, a you know any kind of a conversation with him about what he was doing there. But certainly very very interesting that the Vatican would be involved. You know, they're they're kind of like their own their own state in their own right. They're like a little country, you know. So this is the head of state of the Vatican, you know, visiting Bilderberg. That is hugely significant. Um, so I, I agree. That was uh, pretty interesting. And it, and as you said, with the secrecy, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to know what his position, you know, why he was invited or what he was bringing to the table, really. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, but. Uh, one could imagine. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty interesting that they would want to have someone like him there. Well, especially when you've got, you know, UNESCO Director General, you've got people like the Goldman Sachs, the Royal Dutch Shell. I mean, the who's who of all these these major globalists. And then you throw in the mix these religious people. I mean, that is a little bit, especially when populism is kind of the supposedly the big topic. You know, it's funny, back when I covered it, they said, oh, Bilderberg, nothing to see here, doesn't exist. Then a few years later, it was, well, it exists, Dan, but it's just a it's just a big private think tank, that's all. Nothing mm-hmm. to really see here. But as it, I mean, remember back in Canada when Daniel Estelin was covering it, I mean, it was just crickets. Yeah, for sure. I, I my my first Bilderberg was 2006, and back then there was only four journalists there covering it. Yeah. It was Daniel Estulon, myself, uh, Jim Tucker, and Alex Jones was there, and there was maybe five 
maybe eight protesters at the most. And so it has been interesting to see that momentum build. You know, a few years ago in Watford, England, there was thousands of protesters who showed up and dozens and dozens of reporters, uh, you know, independent media. Same thing within Chantilly, Virginia, both last year and in 2012 in particular. Um, there was, again, thousands of people on, on the most busiest day, the Saturday, and dozens of, of journalists. So it's amazing how the times have changed. And like you said, they've kind of been forced to hide in plain sight, if you will. I mean, they even have a, a website now. They, they publicly post the participants' list and the agenda. But I think that's largely because it's been forced upon them. I yeah. mean, you can only do the dark deeds for so long until someone's going to shine a light on that. And rather than just continue to scurry like cockroaches, they are kind of opening and hiding in plain sight by saying, look, there's nothing to hide here. You know, we're open. We're honest. We're just not that transparent. <laughs> <laughs> well, did anything really surprise you coming away from Bilderberg this year, Dan? And no major surprises um, that stood out for me other than the participation of a head of state from the Vatican. But um, it is interesting to see, as you said, the amount of tech people that were invited this year. You not only had uh, representatives from Google, you had a lot of AI companies and, and uh, you know, quantum computing companies and these venture capital firms that are known for funding tech startups. So it's really interesting that um, that seems to be a bit of the focus this year. Another thing that surprised me, actually, is that this coincided with the G7 Bingo. summit in, in Quebec and also another NATO massive conference that was going on. All three of these things were happening within the exact same time, which, again, is unprecedented as far as I know. I've never seen uh, anything quite like that. So, yeah, you know, the participation of the Vatican and also, you know, the fact that it was happening at the same time as all these other major conferences is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And you know what I find more interesting? I did not see CNN covering Bilderberg. That's so weird that MSNBC didn't either. Hmm. If you go out and just ask people who who's the Bilderbergs, what is Bilderberg? What is the Bilderberg group? The average person, the average Joe Sixpack walking around out there in the street, they don't have a clue. How do I know that? I've asked people. They are clueless. Why? It goes back to what I just said, because you don't see it on the MSM. Fake news is not going to cover Bilderberg. Trust me when I tell you that. The only headline I even saw was last year, I think The Guardian covered uh, something like a secret meeting of global leaders at Bilderberg 2017 could prove to be a, a problem for Trump. And of course, the Washington Times just said a little blurb about, oh, the event is closed to these squawking press in order to encourage openness and dialogue. Just these motley crew of protesters, they're usually a fixture at the event. A motley crew? Really? Yeah, well, that's because a lot of the mainstream media is on the inside. Uh, this year, there was people from The Economist, people from, uh, I think, The Wall Street Journal, from, from yeah. Bloomberg. There, there was, um, you know, a, a lot of these top journalists are coming from the inside. And, you know, a funny, <laughs> quick little funny story. Um, last year, when I was covering, I think it was last year, when I was covering the G7 in Munich, Germany, Bilderberg was also going on right around the same time. And uh, I actually got 
on the inside of the Bilderberg Hotel during lockdown because they mistake me for the White House press corps. <laughs> and they had members of the White House press corps staying at the Bilderberg Hotel while they were covering the G7 in Munich, which was a short helicopter ride away. And they would pick up the members of the press from the Bilderberg Hotel, whisk them off to the G7 in Munich in a helicopter, and then they would come back that evening. And one night, uh, me and a couple friends of mine, Luke Rudowski and, and Jeff Berwick, the three of us were in the hotel during lockdown. And we went up to what's called the cigar room, and there was the members of the mainstream media. We're talking, mm. you know, some of the main guys in, in CNN and ABC, CNNBC, you know, these types of people. And we had a, a very frank, candid conversation with them where they admitted to us, you know, once we explained to them what we were doing there, they hadn't even heard of Bilderberg, even though, you know, we're saying, do you guys realize who's coming tomorrow morning at this hotel that you are staying at? None of them have even heard of it. So when wow. we explained it to them, they openly admitted that, yeah, you know what? What you guys are doing is real journalism. You know, we, we get a paycheck. We kind of say what we're told to say. And that's really how it was at the G7. We were pampered. I got a press pass to the G7. They fed us free food. They gave us $100 champagne. They gave <laughs> me a, a nice backpack. They provided stock footage of the delegates and basically just gave you your talking points. Wow. Um, yeah, they, they really pampered the journalists there. So they actually give you talking points to the journalists. Wow. Yeah, they provide the footage, they give you the talking points, and they pamper you with food and drink. And, you know, who's, who's going to say anything bad as a journalist who gets pampered <laughs> like that about this organization? So pretty wild. But, yeah, it was, it was cool to hear, you know, the, the mainstream media press on the inside of the hotel saying, you know, we appreciate what you guys do. That's real journalism. You know, we admittedly are just accepting our paycheck and doing what we're told. So we're just mindless minions. Yeah. Admittedly. <laughs> Admittedly, yeah. You know, it's always interesting to me. We know a lot about Americans. We love America. I kind of feel like I love America more than most Americans. I know the Constitution. America is not just the last bastion of freedom. It was the only bastion. I mean, if that goes, we're all doomed. But it's shocking to me that Americans really do not know a lot about their brothers to the north. And I always find it fascinating, especially, you know, I've tried to shed light on this vanilla Obama that we have, this northern version of Obama, really. You know, we've got a total globalist puppet at the helm. I mean, I really do call Trudeau the SpongeBob square pants of of politicians. I mean, what a ungodly degenerate we have at the helm here. Does it surprise you at what an absolute Soros puppet that this guy turned out to be, but also how asleep at the wheel Canadians are? Because, hey, after all, commie broadcasting has their attention. I mean, the TV, come on, the stuff they say about Trump here in Canada, it just makes my blood boil. But back to the question, does any of this surprise you? I'm not that surprised, you know. Um, I I saw this saw this coming. I was warning people about uh, about Trudeau before before he came in, and sure enough, it's uh, it's even worse than I could have imagined. He's really more of a celebrity than than a, than a politician. But Trudeau has really just so, sold this country out by um, openly talks about himself as a feminist, but promoting 
abortions going against his own so-called Christian background. Um, he's kind of in direct contradiction to his own faith and um, supporting, you know, the trans rights community. And when we have things like Bill C-16 coming onto the yeah. table, Bill 89, these sorts of things, it's just unbelievable what he's managed to do. You know, changing the lyrics of the national anthem to in all of us command instead of in all of our thy son's command because he's, you know, overly PC. And it's really, really sad to see what he's been doing, you know, and, and they're being manipulated and, and programmed. It's called programming for a reason. That's precisely what it's doing. And um, that's where we need to break the mold and tell people to just turn the TV off. You know, the more they, they, they go there for their information, uh, <laughs> the worse off they're going to be, really. So I encourage people to just, you know, throw the TV out entirely. Me and, me and my girlfriend, we got rid of the TV a long time ago, probably yeah. eight years ago. You know, and it's nice. It's nice not having that, uh, not even having one in the house, you know. And um, it's time people start uh, doing the same, getting their information from alternative sources. Because what you're learning about the United States and about Donald Trump from the news, the mainstream media, is generally a lie or it's incredibly biased with their own political spin on it. And um, people really need to start looking outside of the box, so to speak. Well, Dan, we're people kind, not we like to say people kind. Come on, get it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he claims he was joking about that, but I really don't think he was. They're quite serious about that. And this is this... <clears throat> this kind of Marxist ideology that has infiltrated the universities and it's making its way throughout Canadian society, but it's to the point that the very Liberal Party and the very Prime Minister of Canada position has been infiltrated by these SJWs. I mean, yeah. he's he's like the world's most powerful social justice warrior right now, and it's crazy. Things are changing for him. A lot of people, you know, had a lot of hope and very reminiscent of that Obama era. You know, yeah. people just wanted Bush gone and Obama was the hope and the change and a new, young, fresh face. You know, it's the same thing with Trudeau, but the reality is starting to kick in now. I think people are realizing that they've been duped, essentially. I mean, he wrote in on, on the cannabis ticket, you know, cannabis is still not, not being legalized here in Canada. And they continue to milk that one and maybe let it go until the next election, until he can say again, you know, vote me in. And this time I'll make it happen. I promise, you know, it was out of my hands. But, but yeah, I think the reality of what he's doing to this country is starting to hit people now. Finally, you know, that's one thing Canadians almost exclusively share is a hatred towards this guy because he's ticked everyone off. I mean, we know he's just a huge proponent of the carbon tax scheme. This guy is Al Gore on steroids. But really getting in a trade war with Trump? I mean, what is this guy trying to prove other than he's a complete buffoon? Listen to this headline from the Toronto Sun this morning. As egotistical hissy fits go, the Trudeau-Trump trade wins a doozy. When the recent G7 ended and Trudeau knew that U.S. President Donald Trump was airborne to Singapore to play a game of nuclear poker with North Korean Kim Jong-un, he should have kept his trap shut. This guy cannot walk past a news conference without preening and, of course, leads him usually to stray from the script, putting his foot in his mouth. Let's see how he interprets Trump's tariffs. The president and the administration have decided that Canada 
Canadian steel and aluminum is a national security threat to the United States. Now, the idea that we are somehow a national security threat to the United States is quite frankly insulting and unacceptable. Really, Justin? Is that really what Trump said? Canada's a national security threat? This coming from a guy who just months earlier, who when asked about trade relations between Canada and the U.S., let's hear his genius response. I... uh uh, sorry, let me just try to reorder reorder the thoughts. Yeah, aluminum ingots produced in Canada are used uh, by American manufacturers to, uh, uh, in a broad range of things. Uh, we uh, import uh, more steel uh, than the Americans uh, uh, ex- uh, import. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, we uh, have a significant trade surplus. The Americans have a tr- significant trade surplus with us uh, on steel, uh, which means which means uh, we buy steel from them, they buy steel from us. Wow, that was painful. But I mean, Dan, this guy is going to go to war with Trump over these tariffs? Getting in a trade war with Trump, that is a very bad idea. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's not really wise to be be launching a a trade war at this time with, you know, some of our largest trading partners in the world. And it's kind of unhinged. It's it's a messy situation. You know, I've been tracking this for over a decade. I, I made a couple of films about it i mean in our film united we fall we document how these various trade deals starting as far back as the general agreement on trade and tariffs leading to the you know the free trade area of the americas right on up to the north american free trade agreement which led to the security and prosperity partnership and that molded into the north american leaders summit all of these things have been incremental moves through various trade deals that are essentially uniting the three countries eventually. We're, we're seeing it now. Look at this FIFA 2020 World FIFA Cup is yeah. going to be held in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. It's like the North American Union agenda is is starting to uh, to, to show itself. And it, it's like it, it's happened, but it's just not on paper yet. Right. Well, and I'm glad you brought up some of your work that you've done, your documentaries. Incredible. And what's amazing to me, and I think it's probably redemption maybe in a way that finally some of these things are getting taken serious whereas you know 10 years ago it was oh the tinfoil hat club is it a bit of redemption now to to see people waking up to this oh for sure yeah for sure it is nice to see that it's starting to enter the general debate it's it's actually making its way into normal conversation you know the things i used to talk about 10 years ago, even five years ago, and would get laughed at for yeah. is now just accepted as, oh, oh, yeah, yeah oh, that's how, that's how it is, you know. So it is encouraging to see that we've, we've come this far and that there is a lot of people waking up to these issues. Mind you, you know, there's still a lot of work to do. As much as this movement is growing exponentially, there's people still being conditioned and, and, and brainwashed by, by the system, by the education system, by the media. And so this, this is why it's extremely important that we do what we're doing, you know, and continue to try to, you know, raise awareness about what's truly going on. But yeah, I do see some pretty, pretty good momentum happening in Canada. But as much as we're being able to expose these guys, they, they, they too are are seeing this and they're beginning to work faster and faster to try to almost use Canada as like a blueprint for the eventual one world communistic atheistic world order that that they're building and uh, Canada seems to be the blueprint right now. 
blueprint indeed. And and I guess that's why we see all these horrific bills coming out like this nightmare M103. Unbelievable. You're not allowed to talk about Muslims or you could face some serious ramifications. We look at our border crises. We have refugees flooding in and everyone in, in Canada just thinks it's all under the banner of just multiculturalism and, and diversity because, you know, that's the buzzword, right? But I'm going to tell you something. It's worse, I think, in Canada per capita than it is in Europe. Canada is in a complete crisis right now. Yeah, I mean, things are getting worse in that regard. We, we have, like you said, problems at the border right now uh, with Ill- illegal immigration crossings at, uh, in Quebec. I think they're up to 400 people a day uh, or something of that nature. And um, the M103 really showed me how, how bad this is getting with the very introduction of the word, you know, Islamophobia, which I've told people many times it's, it's a nonsensical term because a, a phobia implies an irrational fear of something. But as I always say, there's nothing irrational about being concerned with, with a culture, a, a religion that is at odds with our Western Christian standards and values, things like Sharia law and of that nature. It's not, it's not a phobia, uh, an irrational fear to be concerned about, about something like that. So uh, this is something we've been uh, talking about as well for, for quite some time because there's lots to be, to be concerned about going forward. Um, namely, uh, Trudeau is, is on a downward spiral, it seems, and the United States is almost being positioned for, for an eventual a dollar crash, potentially, that could be uh, directly blamed on, on President Trump. So I, I think it's, it, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Right now, there seems to be a, a, a changing of the guard, like a, a, a passing of the torch, if you will. A lot of these Bilderbergers, these these Rothschilds, and and you know the Soroses and the Rockefellers, and David Rockefeller just died. Henry Kissinger is really old. Soros is really old. You know these representatives of the Rothschilds are really old. A lot of these people are going to die very soon. You know, in the next five to ten years. And uh, there's a new generation, a power hungry generation who hasn't experienced war like their fathers have and they're they're ready to take the reins and it's you know i wouldn't say scary but it's a little concerning i think about what's coming down the road in the next five to ten years when when this new generation of power hungry psychopaths take the reins and really want to go for it i mean you know the older generation learned that you can't take it by brute force like Hitler tried to do, for example. They learned that you have to be more stealthy about it. You have to, you have to infiltrate and indoctrinate, infiltrate the education system and the media and you know, plan these things over 15, 20, 30, 50 years, dec- you know, centuries if not. Well, the new generation is tired of that, I think, and they want to uh, kick things up a notch and they're just waiting for their turn uh, to take over and that's going to be happening in the next five to ten years as old, these older guys uh, start to die off. One of the comments Daniel Estelin said to me a year ago, and I was kind of surprised that he said this, that Bilderberg is going the way of the dodo bird. Is there still cause for concern, Dan, do you think, with groups like Bilderberg, or is that ship sailed? I think there is still cause for concern. I mean, you know, at this stage in the game, I'm sure there's other more nefarious organizations to be worrying about, uh, you know, people who are meeting and they don't even have a name for the organization and maybe some people we've never seen or heard of yet. Um, and that is certainly something to, to 
continuously pay attention to, but I, I certainly wouldn't discard Bilderberg at this stage in the game. I mean, you, you look at the amount of influential and powerful people who were there at, at this year. You know, we had Prime Minister of Serbia. You know, we had, you know, heads of uh, King of the Netherlands. We've got heads of state world financial leaders, world leaders in in tech, world leaders in media. I mean, it's still a very important organization to track. So, yeah, I I would kind of slightly disagree uh, with that. I, I, you know, I think it is still important to pay attention to them. Having said that, no doubt there's uh, there are some some other things I'm sure that um, <laughs> we're going to find out are, are as equally or more important to be uh, exposing uh, moving forward. But I wouldn't discount Bilderberg just yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, the big upset in Canada, huge news for Ontario's, especially conservatives. We see Doug Ford here. What does he plan on doing? Scrapping Ontario's cap and trade program. His first move is going to be to kill Wynn's carbon tax, which is such good news to me. I mean, he's kind of like, he's kind of a Trump type of a guy, really. Today, actually, the news headlines, Ontario Premier Doug Ford orders a public sector hiring freeze. But instead of that, what does the Canadian headlines all say? Every news outlet. Why Doug Ford's Ontario conservative government should grant the Liberals Party status. I mean, we're up against the mainstream bought and paid for media. That's all we're hearing. What a terrible idea this is to cut the carbon taxes. It is incredible to me as the author of Green Gospel, the new world religion of environmentalism, this pagan death cult. When I wrote that, there was no Trump that was bucking the Paris Climate Accord, which is amazing to see. But yet Trudeau's doing the exact opposite. He is all for this eco-friendly, carbon-neutral, Gaia-loving, pagan death cult. Oh yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, I used to live in in Ontario and out here in in British Columbia, you know, it's really bad. You know, they call it the the watermelon province because, you know, they're green on the outside, but they're truly red on the inside, you know. <laughs> they may call themselves environmentalists, but they're downright commies. <laughs> and uh and and yeah, Ontario is pretty bad. People are nervous about Doug Ford, but just look at what the previous leader was doing Kathleen Wynne. Yeah. I mean, that that was a really bad a bad era, a bad yeah. time for for Ontario. I feel like I I got out just in the nick of time or something because uh, some of the things that Ford says he will be undoing that that she did are certainly things that need to be undone. You know, namely, you know, the change to the sex ed curriculum yes. that. You know, she wants to teach kids, little little children. And, you know, it was Wynne who introduced uh, Bill 89, giving child protection services the ability to take your kid away from you if you refuse to recognize their preferred gender pronoun. Unbelievable. So it was beyond time for a, cha- a, a need for change, you know. And uh, in this climate, in, in this culture, they're, they're almost... Uh, promoting that these kids uh, get puberty blockers and and can can decide who who they are before they even know what what they are you know it's just un- unbelievable and a lot of this is st- stemming from the SJW wind Trudeau alliance there that um, that it looks like Ford has uh, managed to break up so it should be interesting to see what happens in Ontario 
Yeah, but then Doug Ford's got the same problem that Trump has, and that's that the media, well, I mean, the media is just butchering everything this guy said. There's an all-out war against any conservatives, anyone that is for the people. And so he's got the media to contend with, just like Trump. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, j- just look at what they've been saying about Donald Trump and, and the Russian collusion and, you know, the hacking of, of the election by the Russians absolutely founded on nothing. You know, no evidence uh, for any of that whatsoever. But it's, it's been it's been taken as fact by people in the general public, because when you repeat something often enough in the media, people will tend to start to believe it. And so maybe we're seeing something similar uh, here, here and now is a bit of this smear campaign. But, you know, we got to take it all with a grain of salt. We can't really can't really take much of what the mainstream is telling us about any of these politicians. This is propaganda 101, you know, Mm. Um, and and this is this is what what we're faced with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's your take? I want you to comment on this whole situation in Quebec. We saw these protests. Anyone that was bucking these illegal refugees flooding in, and I want to say that again, illegal refugees. But on the other hand, what? Christians aren't allowed to come in? I mean, this is absolutely staggering what's happening at the Quebec border. Antifa, of course, showed up in typical fashion. You know, Faith Goldie was leading some to that border protest rally. Now, some of your crew, I understood, was there. Give us your take on that situation. Yeah, um, I, I actually recently started working with an East Coast correspondent. Her name's Lee Stewart. She's oh, yeah. a Lee Stewie yeah. on Twitter. She's been covering this for me. She went to Quebec to cover the G7. And she also went to Quebec on June 3rd when they had a, a huge protests and counter protests about the border situation going on there. And um, yeah, I've been tracking that. I've been tracking that for quite a while. Um, you know, I know people who are directly involved in the immigration process for for people who are doing it legally and and the way you know that it's supposed to be done and the waiting lists for these people are getting longer and longer and longer and harder and harder for some of the people i've spoken to have told me in particular uh, there's christians having a hard time coming over yeah christian syrians yeah they're just not letting them they're just not letting them in so it seems if they if they went about it illegally and just walked on over the quebec border they wouldn't have a you know they they'd be able to get in but um that's that's the reality of the situation people who are going about it the right way are getting on these long waiting lists yeah so it's it's a big problem going on in 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 quebec right now and it's a huge debate and will be uh, moving forward. Yeah, if you're Christian, you need not apply to get into Canada. That right there is shocking, and people should really take notice. That is quite something, and I've had that confirmed as well by my sources. Very frightening. Now, (laughs) speaking of a little frightening, switching gears a little bit, speaking of evil, I got to tell you, I was really shocked when I saw a video clip that you did. Now, I think you were in a Masonic temple. I want to make sure I have this right. Now, you were in some kind of grand main Masonic temple, and you were actually given a tour by the this Mason. That was so interesting. Talk to the listeners about that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. I was at the uh, the Grand Commander's uh, Lodge of, of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry in Washington, D.C. I believe it's about 13 blocks away from, from the White House. And there they have Albert Pike entombed. You know, he's, he's, he's buried there. Um, oh and 
This is a man who's highly revered by not just the Freemasons, but by American political figures. This is the guy who, in his book, Morals and Dogma, openly talked about the fact that Lucifer is the light bearer. Yes. That's that's literally what it comes down to. Um, you know, it's it's this Luciferian uh, agenda. Um, they say masonry is all about finding that inner light. You know, turning that coal into a diamond. Well, when you get up the ranks there, you eventually realize, well, what God are they talking about here? The the all-seeing eye, the God of providence, and this. It's, it's Lucifer. It, it's literally the light bearer. They see God as being the bad guy, and the serpent in the story of Garden Eden was the good guy because, you know, big bad God was oppressing mankind by saying, you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was the serpent who liberated mankind and gave them knowledge by telling them, no, no, you're not going to die like God told you. You're going to become a God. You're going to be like him. And that's the lie. That's the lie that Freemasonry teaches. That's the lie that a lot of the New Age movement is teaching, is uh, you are God. That's the same old lie as, you know, the Garden of Eden. And so that's what we're faced with. So, yeah, it was interesting to go inside uh, the main building. And to my knowledge, they don't allow <laughs> they don't allow tourists to film in there anymore. Ever since, uh, ever since that video came out, as far as I know, they, they won't allow you to film the tour anymore. Wow. But I'm really glad I managed to document some of the things that, that are going on inside inside there. Yeah, that was an interesting one. And that little affable tour guide, he was just so oblivious, like, oh, wow, come over here and look at this. And ooh, and speaking of which, was that place completely creepy to go in it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was weird. It was creepy. It was uh, it was interesting. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm fascinated by, um, you know, by this stuff. I've been exposing it for years. And it's some of the the first things that I got into when I woke up, so to speak, was researching, you know, the occult yeah. and and these various secret societies and the symbolism that they use. And so when I see this this old architecture and, and these old symbols, it's really fascinating uh, for me um, because I've been following it for quite some time. And I know there's there's kind of a, a darker underlining agenda here. The, these guys, they're not into this just for fun and games. They're, they're not just fooling around, That's you right. know. They're, they're very serious about it. When you go to Bohemian Grove, you, you're involved in things like Skull and Bones. They're not just playing around, you know. It, this is something that is very, very real to them and, and therefore is real. These are smart guys. They know what's up. And they know what they're dabbling in. So, um... Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild, and I feel like I'm on, on, on the right side of history here, <laughs> so it's, it feels good to be exposing them. Well, speaking of exposing things, I do want to bring attention to, we touched on it in the beginning, a documentary that you did about 9-11, Decade of Deception, it's called. You've done such a good job on bringing that into the light. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I, something 9-11 is something that I, I never, never want to let die down. I mean, no. it's it's been a long time. I've made multiple films on it. I made it, you know, produced a six-hour-long DVD uh, called The Toronto Hearings on 9-11, where we filmed a four-day event uh, in Toronto, and... Um, we edited that down into a two-hour version for YouTube, 9-11, Decade of Deception. But, um, you know, this is something that it's really important to understand is, is the false flag of all false flags of our generation that really launched everything we're seeing today. These wars in the Middle East, 
all of the the losses of freedoms and, and basic civil liberties here at home, all of this stems from 9-11. And it's incredibly important that we continue to get to the bottom of, of that event, you know. Um, that still, that really surprises me to this day oh. that people could think that those buildings just naturally collapsed due to fire. There's a cognitive dissonance going on in people's minds. They must be. Because when you see the footage, I mean, it makes me upset watching the clip because it's like, how bald were they? And how dumb did they think we are? You know, they, they just completely explode. Those are just exploding buildings that are just jettisoning out, instantly turning to dust, just massive explosions taking down three buildings with two, two airplanes <laughs> for the first time in the history of steel structures. It's just mind-boggling that people would call us the conspiracy theorists on that one. And if we want to talk about conspiracies, yes, people conspired together to do to do something very terrible. And uh, guess what? It, it wasn't a group of radical Muslim terrorists or, or whatever. The main narrative that we've been fed has got so many holes in it. Yeah. It's, it's just un- unbelievable. So, yeah, that's something I'm certainly not going to let up on. Absolutely. For sure. There's no question about it. There's some things that are not going away. 9-11, Benghazi. (laughs) Need I say more? Well, listen, Dan, I know you got to run. I know your time is limited here. But do give out the information for how folks can follow you on social media, YouTube, your website, all that information, give it out. And I've also, again, just want to let people know I've got Decade of Deception linked there that documentary i've got it linked there in the description do check that out tremendous amount of work went into that dan give out your information for the folks sure i mean uh, everything goes to youtube uh, first and foremost so youtube.com slash weaving spider is actually the name of the channel but if you just type in press for truth uh, you'll find me and pressfortruth.ca is the website and uh, everything goes there as well. And uh, we also have, uh, you know, I'm posting on a lot of other new social media platforms. Of course, we're on all the classics, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just look up Press for Truth or Dandix PFT. Uh, but we're also on things like DTube and, and Steemit, steemit.com yeah. slash Press for Truth slash at Press for Truth. is a new, new social media site based on you know this blockchain technology um so it deals with the censorship issue it deals with the youtube adpocalypse so uh these are these are great places to find me as well well quick funny story here dan so i had my youtube channel totally pulled off i think it was two i want to say 2012 they just pulled it and now i've got two strikes against me and both those videos Ironically, one was on Justin Trudeau's Canada, and the other strike I got was a little mini documentary I did called Islamophobia. So kind of interesting how that ties in. I mean, you just said it. Adpocalypse. That is so true because the complete demonetization of everything that conservative Christians do, that that is incredible. And I'm sure you're feeling that too as well, right? I'm actually really surprised that your YouTube channel is still up. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten really bad. My my view count is massively suppressed. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got 170,000 subscribers, yet I'm, I'm averaging like three or 4,000 views yeah, these days, a video. Yeah. I received a strike as well on my channel for a video that was uploaded five years ago. I had to appeal it, and they eventually agreed that it was a mistake, and they reinstated, you know, my uh, channel in full. 
So, yes, this is something we're dealing with, but it's something we have to hedge against and protect ourselves by by diversifying, you know, and, and spreading our content out onto other uh, other platforms as well. You know, we can't put all our eggs in one basket, and uh, YouTube is certainly going to be cracking down more on this type of information moving forward. So we really got to uh, spread it out quite a bit and, and start posting elsewhere because, uh, you know, they could shut it down any day now. So, yeah, I'm, I am surprised I'm still up. But as long as I am, I'm going to keep banging out the videos because that's where the people are today is YouTube. Now, you're at patreon.com slash press for truth. I think as the more suppression and censorship gets more ubiquitous, that's going to be really important, I think, in the days to come for us in the independent conservative media. Yeah, Patreon's a great way for people to show their support. You know, so much love and appreciation goes out to anybody who does support my work there. Um, it is people who support us there that make it possible for me to cover things like Bilderberg and, and like the G7. And, you know, there's going to be no shortage of things to cover <laughs> moving forward with uh, no. Justin Trudeau in the reins. Well, and we do appreciate you, Dan. I just want to say personally, I'm a fan of your work. I'm really glad I found you because there's not many of us Canadians dog fighting it out in the trenches so glad i found you yeah yeah exactly we're, we're few and far between so I'm, I'm glad to have found you as well you know it's it's great to know that there's other people in canada doing doing this kind of work there's a void here so we need more people to get involved and to do the kind of work that we're doing so i hope to see that very soon me too thank you so much for your time and coming on the program today dan very much appreciate it Great. My pleasure. Folks, that was Dan Dix. His information is linked there below in the description. Check his workout. Like I said, really important stuff. He's been doing it a long time. I saw him on Alex Jones years ago, and I really, really appreciated his his stuff. And I'm so surprised I haven't had him on the program up until now. I guess our joint love of Justin Trudeau really brought us together. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) Folks, Gary Wayne is on the program tomorrow. You are not going to want to miss that. And Dr. Erica Shepard is here Wednesday. You do not want to miss that either, especially if you saw the show she did with me last week. Go check that out. Bookmark www.sheila.media and do sign up for the newsletter because guess what's coming out on the 20th and you're going to want to keep in the loop. So do that. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter and as well my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Guess what? All those social media icons are over there at Sheila.media. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless you.